0: Hello and welcome to Autoline. On today's show we're going to be talking all about the Chinese automotive industry. That's because I'm in Wuhan which bills itself as the Motown of China. You never heard of Wuhan before? Neither had I. It's one of those smaller cities of only 12 million people but this whole region soon hopes to build three million vehicles a year. I'm in Wuhan to attend the Global Automotive Forum, the biggest and most important automotive conference in China. But it's a venue that's afforded us the opportunity to talk to three experts about the Chinese automotive industry. Hua Dazong is the chairman of a company called Phoenix Capital Management. He's got extensive automotive experience in both the United States and China. Amadeo Felisa, is the chief executive officer of Ferrari, a brand that's really gaining traction in the Chinese market. And finally, Jeff Owen is the head of research and development for the Delphi Corporation, which has been in China probably longer than any Western automotive supplier. And we'll come back to talk to all of them right after this.
1: Underwriting for Autoline this week is provided by
2: In this epic battle
3: of fuel efficiency and endurance, we're here to see which hybrid has the best MPG. That's the essence of a hybrid soul. But is there more to it? The
0: Hybrid Game MPG Challenge.
1: And now, here is your host, John McElroy.
0: Mr. DeJong, great to have your time to talk with us today. Nice to be here. You've played an important role in bringing General Motors and Delphi to China. Now there's an opportunity for the Chinese automotive industry to invest in the rest of the world. How do you think that might proceed? Well, I uh, as a strong
3: believer uh there's strong synergies uh, between China and the U.S., and particularly in the automotive industry. And I I personally feel very fortunate, you know, I work and uh, live on both sides and uh, feel very comfortably on uh, both sides. I think right now there's a strong motivation uh, for the Chinese company at this particular point in time to go out, okay? I I
0: think Michigan will be a logical place. We'd we'd love to see that in uh, the U.S. and Michigan in particular. Would this be the, the, the car companies or the suppliers that you're talking about?
3: Uh, I would say both, but mostly suppliers, because in China today, there are 30,000 automotive suppliers. They're all wondering, how do I go up to the next uh, uh, level in, in scale? How do I really become a technology product provider? How do I really supply the uh, worldwide global uh, high value of the customers? And uh, for that, uh, you know, when they're working with a company in Michigan, uh, that
0: really creates a differentiation to themselves. And what do you think they see as the opportunity? Obviously, the, mm-hmm. the, the business, but in yeah. what areas? Well, uh, we, we, we have met a lot of
3: suppliers, you know, uh, across all the areas. And uh, many of them uh, have an interest to uh, line up. Uh, with some overseas partners, either through the M&A acquisition uh, or uh, some sort of strategic alliances in areas of engineering or production or both. Uh, for the car companies, uh, their motivation, I think, mostly mostly engineering area. You know, they think Michigan has a lot of talent, but the suppliers uh, is is basically uh, overall. You know. Uh, of Phoenix uh, recently, uh, we just announced last week uh, working with a Chinese company called Broad Ocean and uh, we reached an uh, agreement uh, to buy a uh, company headquartered in Michigan called the, uh, Prestolite. They're making uh, automotive uh, starter and generators and of Phoenix uh, where I'm uh, heading right now is uh, investment and also advisory company so we, we, we go out together. With the Chinese company, to do that, because sometimes uh, although the Chinese company like to go, they feel a little bit lack of know-how.
0: Explain that. What are sure. some of their concerns coming to the U.S. market? Well, it's just the
3: whole things of going uh, overseas, right? I don't know the culture. I don't know the people. You know, uh, I don't know the legal, uh, you know, things. Uh, I heard a lot about the union, uh, so. Uh, you know, can I, can I manage it? So that's, that's kind of risk, again, okay, major concern. So Phoenix is a company uh, uh, with a bunch of people like me, Okay, lived and uh, worked on both sides in automotive space. So now we're working with them, we're, we're putting our own money with them, and uh, that will help them, uh, make them up their mind a little bit easier, you know,
0: China is such a big market. Sure. It's growing so mm-hmm. fast right yes. now. Mm-hmm. Uh, double the rate in most of the rest of the world. Right. Uh, 20 million vehicles being made and sold in China now, yeah. maybe going to 30 million. Why the interest in going to the US?
3: Very good question. Uh,
0: two things. Uh,
3: the, uh, although they grow 13%, that's only half the rate of what it used to be. Okay? And so that created some uh, issues with, with themselves. Okay? So they feel that they need to really uh, adapt uh, the overseas market for uh, the uh, continued, continued growth, okay? And that's one thing. Second thing I think is very clear in terms of the uh, uh, technology, in terms of product, in terms of management know-how, company in Michigan is much better than themselves.
0: So by working together, That can create a win-win situation. You mentioned uh, an investor buying Prestolite. Do you see that's how the Chinese will go in, uh, buying U.S. companies, or will they just establish their own operations? I I mean, they're doing both right now. But which way do you think will predominate?
3: Well, uh, uh, I I think, uh, of course, uh, both ways. uh, But uh, but later one, M&A one, maybe total or partial, uh, maybe it's more. more, well, you will see a higher percentage. These are some numbers, I mean, uh, they, they, both from Chinese and and uh, they, they predict will grow the 15% a year mm-hmm. than direct overseas uh, the investment. Now I saw a number from in Washington, the U.S., uh, some uh, pretty reputable agency, they give a number, boy, it's unbelievable high. So
0: uh, I, I see there, you will see a growth. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've been talking about suppliers. Sure. When do you think Chinese companies will enter the U.S. market with their own brands of cars? Well, that's not going to be for, I think, it's not, well,
3: first of all, it, it's uh, not a question of uh, if. It's a question of when, okay? The when, I think, is still going to be a few, quite a few years away in major scale. Well, you may see selling Gili or Cherry, you know, here and there, but in terms of, I mean, a major way, like uh, Hyundai or like uh, Toyota, I think you will see that's two years away. Why, uh, why do you think it'll take longer? Well, number one, uh, uh, the point you made earlier, the domestic market is growing yeah. <laughs> much, much faster. Uh, they are very, much more comfortable here. Um, and secondly, U.S. market is just a very, very, very tough market. Okay? Uh, they
0: need to be prepared. So that takes time. So what advice are you giving to Chinese suppliers that are looking at investing in the U.S. market? Well, number one is getting prepared. Know why you wouldn't do
3: that. That's number one, that fitting your strategic objective. Uh, the secondly, uh, the, uh, trying to localize, using local talent, borrow a chapter from Deng Xiaoping Hong Kong, one country, two systems, using local American people know the locals. The three, uh, you know, the uh, getting some talent to help you, like this uh, China-US automotive exchange uh, is a network uh, that uh, of automotive experts, and uh, many of them, I think, could be very helpful uh, in their. Uh, effort uh, getting into the U.S. Very good.
0: Mr. De Jong. thanks so much for sharing your knowledge with us today. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. Mr. Falassi, Ferrari is a name known the world over. Here in China, of course, the market is booming. They're making 20 million vehicles here. My question is, how is
1: Ferrari doing in China? Yeah, we have not the problem to reaching 20 million of cars because, uh, as you know, we are a, a very, very small volume uh, manufacturer. And our aim uh, to, uh, last year, that was our record years, we, we manufactured 7,000 cars. So that means we are... Interested on in exclusivity, not in volume, uh, but we started. Uh, we understood that China uh, should be an opportunity, so, so we started uh, in 2004 to import directly, uh, ferrari in China. We started uh, with the ten importers, uh, ten dealers on the, on the coast, mainly on the coast, and now we are expanding the the networks, and I think the the. Uh, the activity is going well. The, the business is going well. Of course, China is a, is a, is a large country, and then uh, you have to adapt yourself to the different condition in the different countries.
0: You have to adapt to every different country, of course. What are some of the special challenges here in China for Ferrari? Well, uh,
1: I think what uh, uh, what was uh, unexpected, uh, the the brand awareness is, was also very high uh, when we started here. The, the, incidentally when we came in in 2004 and at the same time we win in shanghai the, the grand prix so and the big surprise was to see all the people there having a red flag so this uh, so the the ferrari is well known here uh, i think the people uh, is interested of having emotion of driving in, in cars so this is what we normally sell we sell emotion and technology uh, what is uh, a little bit different uh, is probably the age of the, the people here. This uh, the mean age is between 25 and 35. That is for sure different than in the rest of the world. Uh, and uh, they 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 like to be a little bit more show off than in uh, in Europe or in US. But uh, was the, the positive effect is uh, the the people likes to drive the cars exactly as in the other part of the world, of course. Uh, Dealing with special cars, we have taken care of that, uh, making some special costs of driving. It takes uh, people, uh, the people and on the track and explaining how to drive the cars, but I think it's, uh, it's easy to have success here.
0: There's been a backlash on some levels in China against imported cars being so very expensive. This has been mainly at some of the German brands, Mercedes, Audi, BMW. Does this impact Ferrari as well?
1: Uh, if you know yes for sure but then uh, is the the trade-off between uh, price and volume so we, we uh, our uh, goal is to be exclusive so if you want uh, Ferrari has to have a, a dream you you have to dream something and then of course when you dream something you are able to, to spend some more money on that uh, we are doing that uh, in, in a coherent way so you, you have to ask the cars, you have to personalize the cars, you have to prepare your cars because you don't want the normal Ferrari, you want your own, which is because it's a dream. So it's something that uh, uh, for sure uh, asks for special uh, special requests after special cost and so at the end of the day I think the the values of Ferrari is is well understood by the people that buy the car. As you noted, uh,
0: in the exclusive luxury segment Too much volume can be a bad thing. And yet, you mentioned that Ferrari built 7,000 cars last year. Maybe if the Chinese market comes on, you could double production. But that's got to be a a very dangerous precedent as well.
1: Uh, This is, uh, yes. If you want, uh, uh, our goal, as mentioned, is exclusivity. And if you want, last year we built up 7,000 cars, a little bit more. And we say probably we have to take care more of the exclusivity than the volumes, and say probably we have to slow down. Uh, so this is, uh, if you want what uh, we have in mind to do, uh, is keep care of the exclusivity, uh, residual values of the cars, take uh, care of the customer. Then of course, why not to follow the, vo- with the with the volumes that the market asks. You know, the founder of Ferrari was saying, you have only to sell a car one car less than the market demand, and this is the gold rule we continue to maintain. We hear other
0: automakers talk about how they have to modify their cars for the Chinese market, they want more backseat room, and they like, I know that's not a problem with Ferraris, but is there anything that Ferrari has
1: to think of, of designing its cars
0: for the Chinese consumer? Uh,
1: you know, uh, we, we, uh, we have a differentiation in our orange product because we have uh, five models, uh, two sports, uh, two GT, uh, than uh, one Coupon Spider. So uh, I think in terms of differentiation of the cars, I think it's good enough uh, for uh, deserving all the, the, the requests coming from the customer. So, for sure, what we have uh, opened, uh, and is uh, something special for the, the Chinese, is the, the way to personalize the car. So they, they have uh, a very large opportunity so they can uh, uh, adapt the cars of their needs. Of course, the space on the back is uh, on sports cars is always <laughs> what you have. So we cannot build uh, build up an SUV or a bus. But uh, I think what what we can do in terms of personalize uh, the cars to the characteristic of the people is something that we can do. And uh, how do you study that? And how will you do that in house? Uh, is of course it's different because uh, Europe uh, is different from U.S. from from China. So we have. Uh, uh, we are preparing an option uh, or uh, uh, looking to what are the requests coming from the external uh, from the market or from the supplier or from the customer but then uh, uh, we have some special program that we call tailor-made, then the customer could come in Maranello in some other small places in, around the world and then having uh, people that follow them uh, as when you go to, to prepare your suits uh, and then uh, uh, the stylish people that could drive you understanding your needs and where versus the solution that should be better for you and at the same time for the car. I imagine that because Ferrari is so associated with Formula
0: One racing and the fact that there is a Chinese Grand Prix has got to help
1: building the image for Ferrari in China. Yeah, for sure. The the, the, uh, uh, the, the awareness coming from the racing is affecting our brand. And this is one of the reasons because we don't do uh, advertising, because we have, uh, in a normal way, every two weeks <laughs> on the newspaper, uh, but uh, the, the effect of the, of the racing, for sure, is positive, because it's coherent with the image of the sportiness of the cars, and uh, for sure will help us. Uh, help us around the world, I think, uh, the same in, uh, in China, where, uh, as mentioned, uh, when we experienced the first uh, win in, uh, in Shanghai, we saw a lot of people already having the, the the flag of Ferrari and cheering for that.
0: Well, I'm sure in China it's very advantageous waving a red
1: flag. <laughs> Probably yes, but then in, in that case, well, the Ferrari won. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Falassi, thanks so much for your time today.
2: Bye.
0: Jeff, Delphi's been in China since the beginning just about. You've been here 20 years, you've seen a lot of changes. At the conference here in Wuhan there's a lot of talk of maybe putting less emphasis on growing production and more on improving quality and brand image. Is that what you're hearing from your customers here?
2: Yeah, that, that's certainly a, a concern with, uh, with all the customers, the global OEs that participate here and the domestics. But uh, I don't think anybody's backing off on production volumes. I think we've still got a lot of growth ahead of us.
0: And uh, there's also a lot of talk of Chinese automakers looking to the global market. What are you hearing in that regard?
2: Well, you know, m- most of them have aspirations to be a global player. They want to get ready for the export model. And I think there's every evidence that that's happening. We've, uh, we're fortunate to be a supplier to Great Wall, for example. Active safety equipment in the market today. And you know that's just getting ready for, for an export model.
0: Yeah, uh, I've got to believe that uh, safety is an especially high concern here, as has got to be emissions control, two issues that are of, of grave concern in China.
2: Right. It's, um, you can't do enough fast enough here. And I, I would say the emissions uh, and fuel economy issue is going to get addressed first. Uh, I'd like to see safety come on faster, but uh, I think safety is going to take a take a backseat to the emissions side of it for a while.
0: You mentioned Great Wall. That's a company that's getting a lot of accolades. I hear that they're one of the best Chinese companies. What's it like dealing with the, the indigenous Chinese car companies versus the ones that have got their international
2: partners? Well, it's a, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword. Uh, the indigenous don't have as much systems capability, so it's very typical that they'll depend on a supplier to provide whole systems, uh, not just pieces and parts, but to do a, an engine management system or an entire safety system. So that's good. That's good business for us, and it allows us to provide a higher level of value add. On the other hand, uh, they're also very savvy negotiators, and they are also developing a domestic supply base as well. So uh, that's pretty fierce competition for us as, as, it, as both of them develop.
0: The automakers, of course, the foreign automakers who have wanted to come to China have always had to get a joint venture partner. Suppliers have not faced that. Now there's some talk that maybe this joint venture thing is going to go away. What are you hearing?
2: Well, I I think I'm hearing both sides of that. We're very proud of the fact that we have, everything we do in China is wholly owned. We're in control of everything that we're doing, and I think that's, for us, the best way that we can supply value to the domestics and the global OEs that are in China.
0: I've heard uh, that the Chinese supply base may not be as well developed as we see at the surface, i.e. with the car companies themselves. I'm sure Delphi has to have a lot of suppliers within China, too. Do you need to emphasize more process development with your suppliers? Is that what you're seeing?
2: Um, I'm not sure what you mean, more process development.
0: Well, what I mean is that it seems that up to now, many uh, suppliers in the supply chain here have operated on more of an ad hoc basis, just sort of getting things done rather than perhaps quali- uh really concentrating on improving quality and other
2: things, of the, and that's what I mean, a, a more process-driven approach. Yeah, yeah the, to get the, the whole supply base lined up to be automotive-grade ha, has been a challenge, but uh, I would say from our view as we procure here in China and in the Asia-Pacific region in general, automotive-grade's been, been pretty quick to come by. It's, they've, the supply base has come along pretty quick.
0: You mentioned uh, fuel efficiency, emissions, safety. What are some of the other things that your customers here are really asking Delphi for?
2: Well, you know, there's a couple of things unique about the China market. Other than it's the biggest market in the world right now, it's, it's got the highest population density in urban areas. And so the safety solutions that would come along with that, some of the traffic jam assist kinds of technologies uh, are, are really getting a strong pull signal from for us from, from the China market. It's also the biggest smartphone market in the world. And, uh, you know, the smartphone's a great equalizer. Emerging economy, developed uh, already developed economy, everybody can have the latest smartphone. And the appetite for that, that kind of connectivity here is like none other in the world. So I think a lot of the automotive-grade connectivity solutions are going to come from China first in the very near future. They're, they're asking for it.
0: You mentioned earlier, of course, that the Chinese are very good negotiators. There's always a tension between automakers and suppliers. I'm sure there always will be. How would you characterize it here? The same as it
2: is in North America and Europe or different? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a little different dynamic, but the same principles apply. If you can provide highest, the highest levels of value add, if you can provide systems-level integration, the kinds of things that are difficult to duplicate, uh, and you can stay out of commodities... Uh, this is a very profitable, very profitable region for us. So, tell
0: us a little bit about some of the things that you're doing here to stay out of being a commoditized business.
2: Well, it's it's staying one generation ahead on technology. It's uh, it's being able to bring the solutions at the same time that the OEs are having the problems that they need to solve, whether it's emissions or the safety solutions, or the latest connectivity opportunities that uh, that is going to maybe first in the world here, as opposed to bringing them in from someplace else. China, of course, graduates more
0: engineers than I think just about the rest of the world combined. Yep. You'd think that there's a lot of talent here. What's your evaluation of that talent? Is it good at just basic engineering or are you finding true innovation coming out of the Chinese yeah. market?
2: You know, we, we've been here for 20 years and so we've developed our talent pool over that time. We've got 2,800 engineers here in China. And I'm really proud of, uh, proud of the capabilities. They've grown in capability from being able to work on components to subsystems to systems now. And they're, they're on par with their engineering force other, other places of the world. The, the population in general, the engineers that come out of school, are they only have one handicap here. And that's that they haven't grown up in an automotive market. They haven't grown up driving cars their whole life. They don't have the instincts and the intuition for automotive, the domain. But the, the technical capabilities are quite strong. When you fill in the domain side of that, it's, it's a very strong equation here.
0: What's next for Delphi? Uh, obviously, having been here 20 years, you've
2: got a great footprint in the Chinese yeah. market. What's next? Well, we're just going to try to stay up with the, the production demand. And fortunately for us, uh, the cars are coming with more and more content. So it's not only more volume for us, but it's more content. We're, we were $1.9 billion last year, roughly. We're going to double that revenue. Uh, by 2016 and we'll double it again by 2020. Uh, and that's with pretty much booked business in hand already. So we're, we're just trying to catch up and keep the manufacturing facilities, you know, capacity utilized, make sure that technology is flawlessly executed. Everybody talks
0: about the car market in China, but of course the commercial market is probably the biggest in the world as well. What role does uh, Delphi play with commercial vehicles?
2: Well, that's, a, that's one of our strong customer bases here as well. We, this will be the largest diesel market in the world in two or three years because of that commercial segment. Not light-duty passenger car, but the medium and heavy-duty, and we aim to play a big role there.
0: Of course, uh, we've talked a little bit about uh, emissions issues and the like. Uh, what role do you think that uh, electric cars, hybrids and all that might play, and, and does Delphi play a role in that?
2: Yeah, we, we've got relationships uh, here with a lot of the, the hybrid variants and the EV variants. Uh, I think the same issue is going on here that's going on in other markets. The Consumers are not selecting the electric vehicles. It's been very slow to take off. So we cover that. We don't do motors, we don't do batteries, but we do the power electronics, the inversion conversion. We do the uh, wiring and connectors, the high voltage wiring and connectors. So we have the space covered and I hope it, I hope it prospers because that's, that's good business for us but I think the internal combustion engine is gonna be the mainstay for quite a while, and that's just fine with us.
0: Jeff, thanks so much for your time today. John, my pleasure.
1: Underwriting for AutoLine this week is provided by.
3: In this epic battle of fuel efficiency and endurance, we're here to see which hybrid has the best MPG. That's the essence of a hybrid soul. But is there more to
0: it?
1: the hybrid game mpg challenge
0: i hope you enjoyed today's show and i hope you learned a little bit more about the chinese automotive industry but i gotta tell you we only barely scratched the surface there really is that much going on in china with its automotive business but in any case that wraps up today's show thanks for joining us and please join us again next week for AutoLine this week